Hello and welcome to this podcast edition of Scripps 5 Must Know Things, this time for the business week ended 4th June 2021. This is Ian Haydock. This time, pioneering KRAS inhibitor approval, Organon's CEO on the company's plans, Astellas' midterm ambitions, trial disappointment for Novartis' view, and Indian plans for a paediatric COVID vaccine. Amgen has secured a several-month lead with its newly approved Lumacras, which is Sotorasib, as the only KRAS G12C inhibitor available in the US before its likely first competitor, which is Adagrasib from Mirati Therapeutics, hits the market. Even so, Amgen Executive Vice President of Global Commercial Operations, Murdo Gordon, told Scripps' Mandy Jackson that the company still faces the tough challenge of launching its new drug during the COVID-19 pandemic. The FDA approved Lumacras on 28th May for the treatment of KRAS G12C mutated locally advanced or metastatic non-small cell lung cancer as determined by an FDA approved test in patients who received at least one prior systemic therapy. As the first oncologic to target KRAS, which has long been a goal of cancer drug development, it will be a notable launch. KRAS is a well-known driver mutation in lung cancer and other solid tumour types, discovered more than 40 years ago, but until recently it was difficult to drug. But Gordon said the pandemic is likely to be an even bigger challenge for Lumicras than making sure oncologists are screening NSCLC patients for KRAS G12C mutations and that lung patients are aware of a new targeted treatment option. Genetic screening and patient education will be rate limiters on the trajectory of how many patients will have access to the drug, but it's particularly challenging in COVID times, Gordon said. Given that lung cancer patients are immune compromised and they've been on chemotherapy, potentially in the front line, we are very careful about how our people engage with customers not to expose patients, he added. He noted that Amgen has established digital channels and its sales reps and medical affairs teams have been able to effectively engage with oncologists in virtual ways. But he said the inability to meet with doctors in person to talk about a new drug with a novel mechanism does have the potential to impact the trajectory of the Lumacras launch. The list price for the new drug has been set at $17,900 a month. Organon will be a women's health company first and foremost, even though it will initially be made up of three very different types of businesses, women's health, established products and biosimilars. The cash generated from the substantially larger established products business will power the expansion of Organon into a global women's health leader, CEO Kevin Alley told Scrip. Established brands represents the business that will create oxygen for investing in inorganic opportunities for women's health, Ali said. The driver today is making the most of the three businesses. The driver for the future is making the most out of women's health. Ali talked to Scripps' Jessica Merrill, ahead of the spin-out of Organon from Merck Co. into a new company, which will begin trading on the New York Stock Exchange on 3rd June. Ali takes a helm at Organon after a 30-year career at Merck, most recently heading the Enterprise Portfolio Strategy Initiative and reporting to CEO Ken Frazier. Organon's investment thesis, laid out during an investor event in May, is to be a purpose-driven company with an emphasis on women's health. Management forecasts 2021 pro forma revenue of $6.1 to $6.4 billion, and the company will employ roughly 10,000 people, with 80% of the employees coming from Merck. 
The women's health part of the business will be smaller initially, made up of 10 products for contraception and infertility that generated $1.6 billion in sales in 2020. Organon will not wait long after the spin-out to move on a deal, Ali predicted. We are bullish on business development, he said. The company even announced one deal already that's expected to close after the completion of the spin-out. In March, Merck announced a plan for Organon to acquire Alidia Health for $215 million up front, plus a $25 million contingent milestone payment, gaining access to the JADA system, which is a device to help prevent postpartum hemorrhage or abnormal postpartum uterine bleeding after childbirth. Stellus is looking to Extendi and a group of other core products to generate a combined $11 billion or so in sales over the next few years under a new mid-term strategic plan which envisages the Japanese firm's market capitalization more than doubling to nearly $64 billion over the next five years. The Corporate Strategic Plan 2021, laid out by President and CEO Kenji Yasukawa and running through to the end of fiscal 2025, which ends in March 2026, enshrines some targets seen as ambitious by some analysts. In my article, I note that besides the more than 1,200 billion yen or $10.92 billion in sales revenue seen for prostate cancer blockbuster Extandi and a portfolio of six other strategic products, and a market capitalization of at least 7,000 billion yen, Astellis is targeting a core operating margin of more than 30% by the end of the plan. Overall sales revenue is expected to grow at an average of around 8% per year, Yasukawa told an investor briefing on the plan. By way of comparison, the company's market cap as a closer market on 31st May was 3,346 billion yen and core operating profit was 20% of revenue at the end of last fiscal year on 31st March. For this 12-month period, Acellus reported revenue of 1,249.5 billion yen, which was minus 4%, hit mainly by loss of exclusivity and the ending of sales agreements for some products. The overall goals of the new mid-term plan will be helped by SD&A costs the firm sees remaining flat and declining in proportional terms. By the end of the plan, SD&A costs are expected to be 21% of revenue, equating to about 390 billion yen actual versus 31% last fiscal year. The CEO noted Acellus had already cut costs by a total of 100 billion yen over the past three years. R&D spending, meanwhile, is foreseen remaining constant proportionally, although rising in actual terms, from 18% of revenue last year to 19% by the end of the plan, or about 350 billion yen in actual terms. The plan is to flexibly execute share buybacks utilising excess cash, the firm said, while stressing it will also prioritise business investment to support future growth. The changes will not come without some costs, however. Astellas announced on 3rd June it was offering a voluntary early retirement programme to up to 450 people in Japan who would leave the company on 31st of December this year. The rollercoaster ride for Novartis's iDrug Bayview has continued following further safety concerns leading to the termination of a key study in wet age-related macular degeneration, despite the therapy hitting its efficacy goals when compared with Bayer Regeneron's market-leading rival anti-VEGF therapy, ILEA. The Swiss major reported the first-year results of the two-year Phase 3 Merlin study, which was assessing Bayovu 6mg versus ILEA 2mg, given every four weeks following the loading phase in patients with wet AMD who have persistent retinal fluid despite anti-VEGF therapy. 
Bayovu is currently approved as an injection every two or three months, but the monthly dose was being trialled to specifically help wet AMD patients that suffer from persistent fluid. In the 529 patient study, BOVU hit the primary endpoints of non-inferiority to ILEA in change in best corrected visual acuity and proved superior on select anatomical secondary endpoints at GA1 versus the Bayer Regeneron blockbuster. However, as Kevin Grogan reports, when it came to intraocular inflammation, which included reports of retinal vasculitis and retinal vascular occlusion, the frequency was higher with BOVU than ILEA. 9.3% compared with 4.5%. Also, the overall rate of vision loss, reading 15 letters or more due to all causes, was 4.8% in the BOVU arm compared with 1.7% for ILEA. In the interest of patient safety, Novartis has decided to terminate the Merlin study as well as the Raptor and Raven trials which were assessing BOVU with six initial monthly injections in RVO. All other relevant ongoing trial protocols will be amended to discontinue four-week dosing intervals after the loading phase, the company said. The Merlin results will have added to concerns about the safety of Bayovue, which was approved in the US in October 2019 and in February 2020 in the EU for wet AMD. But the launches were almost immediately derailed when the American Society of Retinal Specialists warned members of 14 cases of RV in Bayovue patients, 11 of which were RVO that can lead to vision loss, a side effect not associated with other VEGF inhibitors. Europe followed the FDA's lead by amending Bayovue's label to carry a special warning urging patients who experience the inflammatory events to discontinue use. Although the number of cases was small, Novartis CEO Vas Narasimhan conceded to script when the firm's first quarter 2021 results were announced that it would take some years to rebuild doctors' full competence in the drug's safety. Q1 sales of BOVU slumped 44% to just $39 million. Narasimhan told Script that I think it's too soon to jump to any conclusions and we continue to hear from physicians that this is the highest efficacy medicine in terms of managing fluid and retinal thickness, which tends to be a precursor to worsening vision. Zydus Cadilla is set to have the fourth COVID-19 vaccine approved for use in India if Pfizer and Moderna don't beat it to the gate. Interim data from phase three trials of its candidates are expected as early as two weeks from now, with plans to seek an accelerated or emergency use authorization soon after. If things go to plan, the candidate ZYCOVD could also be the first vaccine in India for children 12 and above. However, the Indian regulator's decision to grant accelerated approval to vaccines given an EUA by certain regulatory authorities, including the US FDA, could throw a spanner in the works. The Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine has an EUA for that age group from the agency and Moderna is also set for a similar nod. While Pfizer is currently negotiating with the Indian government for indemnity before entering a supply agreement for the country's immunisation programme, Moderna is in talks with companies including Cipla for a private sale of a booster single-dose vaccine. The latter has sought exemptions from price caps and customs duty apart from indemnity. Meanwhile, Zydus Cadillus candidate definitely has the potential to be the first paediatric vaccine as it has enrolled over a thousand children for its trials, the company's managing director, Sharvel Patel, said during a fourth quarter earnings call. He said the DNA vaccine will be far more suited for children as it does not involve an intramuscular jab. Administered with a special device, the vaccine has demonstrated safety and a lack of adverse events like injection site reactions. 
Given that experts believe that mutated versions of the coronavirus will impact younger age groups in the third wave of COVID-19 infections expected in India, a paediatric vaccine could be a much sought-after prophylactic. The Zydus vaccine is stable at 25 degrees Celsius for over five months and at 2 to 8 degrees Celsius for even longer, Patel said. So logically, it will be definitely something that would be not a significant challenge compared to some of the other vaccines. Pricing could also be an advantage, as we have always committed that we will bring the vaccine at an affordable price, he said. We believe that our technology offers us to produce vaccine at a lower cost, which can be beneficial. That's all for this week. Thanks as always for listening. Links to all the articles in full mentioned are given in the script article accompanying this podcast. And don't forget to sign in to access all our digital content or to sign up for a free trial to see what you're missing. Bye for now.